0: It's time for episode 215 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, November 15th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes.
1: Welcome back to Clockwise, the only tech podcast to make Forbes 30 Under 30 list. And also the only one to lie about making Forbes 30 Under 30 list. My name is Micah Sargent. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined, of course, by the one and only Dan Morin across the internet. How you doing, Dan?
0: I'm doing well. And technically, it's the 30 podcasts under 30 minutes list, and we were number one. So good, good number going, one, go us.
1: I think that's pretty Go fantastic. Us. Well, we should of course welcome our special guests today. I am joined to my left by senior editor at I'more and all around brain solving individual. It's it's Georgia Dow. Georgia Dow, how you doing?
2: I am good. I'm brain solving right now. Yeah, that is
1: your title, right? A brain solver.
2: Brain solver.
0: Yeah, that's a good, cool. That's a good title. To my left, uh, co-founder of Relay FM and the co-host of Connected and Lift Off, Mr. Stephen Hackett is back. Hi, Stephen.
3: Hello, hello. Clockwise family of four. It's, it's a family of we're, four. Yeah, we're but, a family of four, but the kids change every week. It's very, very troubling. It's convenient mm-hmm. for us though.
1: Uh, So we should probably get started. As you all know, this show is 30 minutes long. We've got four tech topics. And since I'm kicking things off this week, I get to go first. Uh, So a security group says, hey, guess what? We spoofed face, I almost said spooked, that's not what it is, spoofed Face ID, um, with a mask that they designed. I must note, it is a very creepy mask, because it only shows the parts of the face that Face ID apparently looks for. Uh, There's been lots of video popping up of siblings and family members spoofing Face ID, and uh, the same thing happened when Touch ID came out. Fake fingers, fingerprints on on sausages, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just curious, uh, are you worried about your face being hacked or spoofed? Um, And do you continue to use this kind of technology, regardless of the fact that if you were a super spy, then somebody, I don't know, James Bond, might come and uh, make a mask out of your face? Georgia, we'll start with you.
2: (laughs) Yes, I, I do still use Face ID. Am I worried about someone making a mask of my face and then using it to try to hack into my phone? Honestly, no, it's a lot of work. Like, these masks are like specially 3D printed that look exactly as if um, it was my own face. Like, it's a 3D mask. Like, it's like, uh, I figure that if they go to that much trouble, they deserve to be in my phone. Um, And if worse comes to worse, I could always just use the passcode, but I'm lazy. So, that's not going to happen. Luckily, I will say it first here I am not a super spy. So you know the chances mm. of someone wanting to get into my phone it's that exactly badly? Exactly
3: what a spy would say, Georgia. <laughs> Especially a super
0: spy. <laughs> I'm not worried about this either. I mean, I'm worried about them making a mask uh, from my face, but not because of this. Because it's just creepy. That's that yeah, worries me a little bit. Yeah, I've been worried about that before. Yeah, Dan, well, I've right? been worried about that forever. That's just <laughs> right, right? Every day, every day I'm worrying. You don't um, want to
2: know what I was for Halloween. <laughs>
0: Uh, oh wow no i really don't know um yeah this is one of those things where you know mike as you pointed out uh, this happened with touch id as well everybody wants to see if they can beat this thing because it's the new hotness in security uh and the answer is none of no security thing is a hundred percent reliable and that's fine we're all it's all about walking that line between convenience and security and face id still provides a good balance of those two things and like George said, unless you're a high-profile target, chances are people aren't going to be attacking your particular phone. So as long as the whole overall system hasn't been compromised, which it has not, let's be clear, they haven't like hacked into the system. They haven't found some systemic way to beat all face ID. They've just found a way to spoof your existing face.
3: I mean, Dan, that's fine if you're just, you know, you're a freelance writer, you have a book or whatever. But if you run a media <laughs> empire, people, you can buy a mask of me on eBay.
0: You can buy many I'm masks of you right
3: on eBay. Now. It's, it's horrifying. No, I, I'm not. I mean, look, I'm not worried about it. It's it's sort of a silly thing. I agree with you. People want to, and I think people should, try to challenge the system and try to see where the limits are. Um, I think it's interesting, too, this story, because Apple specifically called this out when in the introduction of Face ID. They had a really creepy picture on their website. I think it's still there on the Face ID page. Like, we went to Hollywood, and these mask makers, like, we try to get into it. And every, of course, every tech journalist, like, you know... Uh, did this, you know, um, uh, Wall Street Journal did it, Wired did it, a bunch of uh, journalists tried this as well. And so it says, so for one group to say they did it and all these others don't, you know, I, I don't know what to read into that. But I think that within the confines of Face ID, you can do things to make your phone more or less secure or more or less convenient. Like Dan, you said it really well that there's a spectrum there of between security and ease of use and you kind of pick where you need to be
1: uh all oh, fantastic answers um i agree with georgia honestly if someone takes the time to somehow incapacitate me long enough to make a 3d scan of my face and make a, make a mask out of it i'm probably gonna wake up and like give him a hug and say hey we should get to know each other because you care about me a lot so uh all these technologies of course have ways to get in i mean you can get into a, a safe in a bank too if you try hard enough um and i have i mean no i <laughs> have have not uh georgia let us hear your question before i get implicated in a crime
2: <laughs> well um facebook uh has thought of a fabulous way to um stop uh, revenge pics on the internet they said uh hello children come just give us all of your nude pictures and then we'll make sure they're never used against you um so i wanted to ask you know do you think that this is tone deaf or a fabulous idea
0: It doesn't really work in a podcast, but I'm basically holding my head in my hands, shaking my head right now. It doesn't really translate, I get. Um, Okay, I get what you're trying to do, and you mean, well, maybe Facebook, but that's super creepy. I don't know why anyone would do it, because the whole point of this is, like, if you do take such pictures, and that's entirely up to you. Um, you probably want them in fewer places rather than more places. And as soon as you start uploading them to another service, even if that service promises, cross their heart and hope to die, that they will take the best care of it and make sure that nobody else gets to see those things, then you still can't protect against people hacking in or flaws in those systems, etc. cetera. Uh, and that's not even before we get to the idea of a company that really has a vested interest in collecting more information about you. Um, so... I think, you know, we've talked about this. Uh, this topic has come up similarly uh, a couple times in the last few uh, weeks because there was that app that was sort of intended to be a vault, right? And, like, so similar question of do you want to give these to somebody else ostensibly with the idea that they will somehow use that to protect you? Uh, and I think it's risky. Um, maybe maybe there is a benefit to be had here. But, you know, I guess what I'm saying is you first, Zuck. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> you, you know, this is this is one of those things. Facebook is so large and they've got the the biggest user base of any service on the internet, probably, or pretty good. Um and this comes in the same season as ads from Russia and election stuff, which we're gonna sort of sidestep for this conversation. Uh Facebook is is seemingly in over their head in a bunch of different areas right now. And any one of these stories would be enough to raise an eyebrow like, okay, Facebook, maybe you need to to step back and really think about, you know, where these ads come from or if this is a good idea or not, which it is not a good idea, I don't think. Um, But, you know, all that said, I'm not sure any company or any service or, you know, any leadership, you know, Zuckerberg and his team or the bozos at twitter or anything i don't know <laughs> if anyone is really handling this sort of stuff correctly any good percentage of the time and i think it's it's up to users to to you know to say to facebook either through direct feedback or their actions that you know we are, are
1: or are not going to tolerate this Hmm. Well, you know, I, I, I'm not going to lie, I do like the idea that's behind this. I just don't trust the company with it. Because the idea is that when you upload these photos, uh, Facebook says, okay, we're going to ingest these, we're going to make a unique digital fingerprint for each of these images. Uh, we'll then use those to match with photos that get uploaded. So if anybody else uploads a photo that has this unique digital fingerprint, it will not be allowed to be displayed on our site. That's a good idea. Unfortunately, it's Facebook that you're giving your nude photos to. If there was some way that you could have like a completely, I don't know, different party, sort of like uh, the way that, um, oh goodness, the the site that lets you, Gravatar, I think is what it's called, which is now WordPress or whatever, um, where your email can alone be used to make your your profile photo show up across the entire internet uh, that supports it. If there is some way for me to make digital fingerprints of different images and then not let those be uploaded, you know, on on different sites, I think that's a great idea. But uh, yeah, we just can't trust these companies with uh, our data in many cases, and they've not given us many reasons to. Georgia, any last thoughts on that?
2: I I agree with everyone. I agree. I really do. I think that if we had a way that we could do it on our own, um, you could make your own digital fingerprint of your pictures so that they could not be used, and there was some way that you could make sure that you were not then doing that to other people's photos so that they could not put them up. Um, that would be a great idea. I think that giving your um, photos to a company that really is just data mining you in the first place seems like a horrible idea, but I wouldn't trust, I think, any company with something that you know, could be used against you at some purpose and point. And we've already proven that everything can be broken into. There is no perfect vault that will keep everything safe. And really the only safe way is not to take them. And if you're choosing to take them, make sure that you are very careful with who they go to and also what technology is on your phone in the first place, because even those things can be hacked.
1: Well, that was an excellent first half of the show, if I do say so myself, and I do. We have reached halftime, and I want to tell you all about our wonderful friends over at Squarespace. Guess what? If you enter the offer code clockwise at checkout, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Now, go ahead and make your next move with Squarespace, because Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea. You're going to get a unique domain, award-winning templates, and loads more from Squarespace. So maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio or maybe even just a blog. Well, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do all of that. And guess what? You don't have to worry about installing stuff. There aren't patches. There aren't upgrades that you need to worry about because Squarespace has all of that covered for you. They've got award-winning 24-7 customer support. If you need any help, they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, which is always nice. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. I've mentioned this before, I love Squarespace because they're always on top of things with the latest technologies. As soon as HTTPS was really important for the web which arguably it always has been, but when it was really kicking off, they were quick to enable it, and you just went and you flipped a switch and things were on and ready to roll. Same thing goes for things like Apple Pay and their awesome e-commerce platform. Now, Squarespace plans start at just 12 bucks a month, that's it, and guess what? You out there, you right now could start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. And when, because you will decide to sign up, you're gonna use the offer code clockwise and that's gonna get you 10% off your first purchase and guess what you'll be showing your support for our show here we thank you squarespace for your support squarespace make your next move make your next website and dan now it's time for you to make your next move so i'm guessing all of us have had our frustrations with twitter uh and it seems like
0: those have only intensified uh in recent months and my question for you is have you ever thought about just jumping ship and abandoning it uh, and if so, where would you go? I, I've been playing around a little bit with this service called Mastodon, where some people have been going over, and I find it a little confusing, but it's also kind of attempted to be a Twitter knockoff. So I'm kind of curious to see if that develops anywhere. But really, have you found a, an alternative, or would you just consider giving it up whole tu- cold turkey, or what? What are your thoughts on that? Stephen? You know, I, I struggle a lot with this. I think that I love
3: lowercase Twitter, like the community, the Apple community on Twitter. Uh, and I think I really despise uppercase Twitter, the company and its management. Mm-hmm. I, I owe a lot to Twitter in my career. You know, my indie career started and you know, my blog started when Twitter was first taking off. And the people that I work with today, including the three of you, I first met on the service. Uh, I first met my co-founder on Twitter. I owe a lot to it. But Twitter with a with a uppercase T, uh, Jack Dorsey in his ever uh musical chair boardroom is really problematic. And they seem to have this this uncanny ability to choose exactly the wrong thing to do in any given situation. It's really incredible. Mm. Like the track record's great. Uh and so I do experiment with others. I've I have played with Mastodon. I'm a big fan of Microblog, which is run by our friend Mayton Reese. mm mm-hmm. Microblog is a little confusing because it acts like Twitter, but you can also, instead of posting to the service, post on like a WordPress site and it pull that content in. It's a little confusing. I think he could do a lot to kind of explain it better. But the seed of that's really good. And what I like about it selfishly is the early Twitter app, lowercase Twitter, Apple community that was on Twitter. You know, ten years ago, some of that's reforming on microblog. Uh, But I think ultimately for me. Where I spend more time is in Slacks. You know, a bunch of different Slacks, not the pants. You know, the the <laughs> chat. I, I do wear pants, uh, which is weird. I don't have to. Really off topic,
0: Stephen. Really off topic. <laughs> I know. Sorry, I just got
3: distracted. Uh, so I spend a lot of time in Slack groups. You know, talking with people, and but but those things don't offer the sort of spark of Twitter that you can meet somebody new. You know, most of the time in a Slack, I know everybody in it, and so there. I haven't really found anything to actually answer your question. I haven't really found anything that I feel comfortable leaving Twitter for. And, you know, Twitter's full of terrible things and I still haven't left because I value the community so much. And so I feel this stress and this pressure, but I I haven't felt like I have found a place something to replace it with yet.
1: Uh, I could almost repeat entirely what Steven has just said for myself. Um, I certainly would not be where I am today without Twitter. Uh, so I do love it for that. And, It is the app that I probably launch more than any other app on any given day. Um, I like reading what people are saying there and keeping up with stuff there. Um, It is where my community exists for the most part. Uh, I also agree, too, that Slack also happens to be where private communities exist with closer pals rather than just sort of the the wider population on Twitter. I have uh, played with Mastodon. I've played with, I don't know, all the other ones. Elo. I've recently got some oh new boy. notifications <laughs> on Elo for the first time in a while, like three or four people have said they were following me on Ello. Um, but, Nothing has quite uh, yet lived up to that. And so, yeah, I guess I'm worried about where Twitter is going because I do adore um, everything that it has has provided, everything it continues to provide for me. Um, So, I don't know. I I hope that that things somehow right themselves. But, man, that sure seems like a a nearly impossible hope. So, we'll see.
2: Well, I... I have a uh, tenuous relationship with social media um, in the best of times, so I don't consume a lot of um, Twitter. I don't really do Slack, though I'm like, like you know, my name may be there. I'm just never there. Um, the same thing with Twitter. I might go on once or twice a day, but I find that... My want to consume and to read other you know, messages is really minimalistic, and um, maybe it's because of what I do for a living. I, I'm not really sure. I like the idea of Twitter. I think that it's really important. I think that social media is wonderful in that it brings people. People are able to talk about news and current events real-time themselves, and so I love the idea that it brings power back to people to be able to have relationships without a middleman being able to curate what that message is. I think, though, on the other side to it is that, you know, it gives certain companies a lot of power that they can misuse that and they have a certain amount of control without any, you know, and I'm not saying that you should have legislation, but there's no one really watching these doors of how is it going to be used, how could it be misused, um, you know who's going to take a look at you know making sure that it is fair and everyone can have access to that. And there's a lot of problems with that. And that's not even talking about the fact of you know what do people put out there and you know how do moods get affected by how much social media that you consume. So yeah, I probably will not be leaving until Twitter dies a natural death. And then where would I go? Is probably where most of the tech community goes, and then only minimalistically at that.
0: Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I think, Stephen, your point about capital T Twitter and lowercase t Twitter is really well taken. Like the company is seriously has some issues, um, but the service, there's stuff worth saving on there um, because there are positive interactions and because, as Georgia mentioned, the sort of democratic aspect of people being able to band together, uh, not only for community and society, but also to take action is really powerful. Um, But I think the biggest problem is really critical mass in terms of. You're only going to go to a place if you feel like the people you want to talk to are there, and you have sort of a chicken and egg problem where the people aren't going to go there until they feel like the other people they want to talk to are there. And so it's really rare that one of these services takes off. Twitter, things like Twitter and Facebook are the phenomenons as a result because they are the places that this this virality actually did pay off. But, you know, as we've all seen, anybody trying to make a viral like, oh, this is the next big hit thing it's like one in a million that your thing actually pays off. So I think it's great to see people pushing the bounds of what's possible. And even if those uh, networks don't succeed or products don't succeed, then they may inspire somebody else to create the new thing that becomes the next big thing or whatever. But thanks for your thoughts on that. Let's go to our last topic, which comes from Steven. So we've had the iPhone X for a couple of weeks now. And
3: I think we're all kind of getting used to the new features and the new design. And I, I kind of wanted to see what you guys thought were some design changes to iOS that should be made to uh, accommodate this this phone. And so I'll kick off. Uh, there was a, an article on Apple Insider by Neil Hughes doing some battery testing showing that doing the smart invert colors and and using dark modes, like all that can extend your battery life because of the way the OLED screens work. If a pixel is black, it means the pixel is off and you're saving energy. I thought it was really interesting. I'd like to know where the dark mode is for iOS on the whole. But what are some things you think should change in a future version of iOS to accommodate this phone and its users?
1: Um, well, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna break a little bit uh, from from your question simply to talk about dark mode for a second, um, and I may ruin some people's lives with this. Uh, oh, I just saw, I just saw people talking about this on Reddit this morning, and it's something that I had noticed, and I thought that maybe I was alone, and then they saw they saw it, and then it was like, okay, I'm not alone. Uh, there's an app called Apollo. Uh, it's a it's a Reddit app, mm-hmm. and it has this beautiful dark mode. Um, however. As I was scrolling through things in this beautiful pure black dark mode, I noticed that um, images that Basic, I mean, you know, images would be surrounded, of course, by black. So you'd have an image with plenty of color, and then around it would be black because that's part of the UI. Well, at, when you were scrolling, you'd see this almost purple blur effect that would exist, uh, that would, that would s- suddenly appear on the photo as you scrolled. Mm-hmm. Now, that is some sort of OLED thing where going from pitch black, which is, of course, having the brightness completely off, to going to uh, color, which means turning the brightness on suddenly uh, causes a bit of a blur, a bit of a, a, a an issue there bleed, and it is not good looking. Uh it's it's particularly apparent whenever the brightness on the screen is turned down pretty low. Um and so I wonder and that is what this Reddit post posited, that uh if that plays a role in Twitter, or I mean rather Apple not including a dark mode for uh these new iPhones. I don't know if that's the case, but it certainly is not a pleasant experience as you're scrolling seeing this sort of uh weird blur that that obscures the photo uh in some ways at the tops and bottoms so i'm sorry for pointing that out to uh, anybody and if you come across it but yeah the the easiest
3: that's called oled like oled jelly effect the easiest place to see it if you pull up the ios calculator app and do Mm -hmm. the the multitasking across the home indicator so it moves left to right watch the buttons behind the numbers it'll blow your mind
1: it's not good Uh, it is not good um georgia what do you think
2: Thanks, Micah. Thanks. I'm just saying. Thanks. That's nice. That was nice of you to give that to me now. You're welcome. (laughs) So um, What can I say except you're welcome? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, I'll I'll be sending you images. Um, (laughs) Oh, no! (laughs) That wasn't a threat, only that it was. I would love to have, um, like, you know, that that I don't have to swipe up for the phone to unlock. Like, if I'm staring at my phone, just turn on. Like, I'm looking at it. Just turn on without me having to touch it. Yes, you could say I'm really being lazy, but it it takes now two like that's two hands. I that's too many hands. I might be doing something if I stare at my phone. Unlock it's my face. So why do I have to swipe as well? Just throwing that out there. Um, I also don't think that I need the button at the bottom. Like I think that start off with like the button just so that I know to do it. And now I get it. You don't need to have the little tiny line on the bottom. I know. I get it. Um, And then I would love to have, yeah, you know, come on. Um, I'd love to have locking uh, apps and and folders without having to get something to do that. I think that it's just nice to be able to go through that. Um, And uh, the same thing for images. If I have, I wanted to have it really, really quick that I can just make an image that when I show someone an image, they just stay on that image so they're not swiping through my phone and doing the uh, sneak a peek at all of my pics. Mm. And no, I'm not talking about Facebook.
0: (laughs) uh georgia i think more gadgets should turn on when i look at them that's basically my feeling it's like i wish to be i (laughs) want to be able to do that with anything i own car yeah you stare at the
2: coffee machine yeah
0: make coffee it's clear i'm looking at you who did you think i was looking at the stove (laughs) um the one that i was thinking about was this uh there's mock-up a a few weeks ago when the iphone 10 came up about the all that empty space at the bottom of the keyboard uh, and I get why they raised the keyboard makes makes sense ergonomically, um, but that empty space does seem like a huge waste. And I would love to see, as somebody suggested in a mockup, your like frequently used or recently used emoji down there. I kind of feel like that's a thing. But mostly, I'm just uh, still waiting for so many apps to update to actually deal with ios uh ios 11 on the iphone 10 because for example i i still deal with apps where it's like i'm using this in, i have to use something in landscape and now the notch is actively blocking like a button <laughs> i saw that my bank app when i go to take a picture of a check there's a button and it's underneath the notch <laughs> i'm like why <laughs> why is this happening come on people
3: yeah i think another thing i would mention is that control center is just straight up in the wrong place. You have to pull down from the right ear. Uh, There'll be a link in mm-hmm. the show notes. I did a little diagram because this, this is hard to talk about. But you pull down from the right side of the notch to get Control Center, the left side to get Cover Sheet, which is where your notifications and widgets are. And then the whole rest of the screen is available for Spotlight. And it's just it's very confusing. Control Center is something a lot of people use a lot of the time. And it's really far away. And I want mm-hmm. it to be closer. I want it to be in... Control Center's warm embrace. And it is far, <laughs> my love has been taken far away from me, Dan and Micah and I'm Georgia. Sorry. sorry. And it's mm. sad.
1: Hey, that marks the end of four topics, but we have just enough time for a bonus question, and I'm so excited to tell you all about a new sponsor here on our show, LinkedIn Learning, which now features content from Lynda.com, the leader in online learning for the past 20 years, and certainly the leader in my online learning. Now, LinkedIn Learning is for problem solvers, go getters, and people who want to make moves in their career, which happen to be all of you listening right now. I am positive of it. Maybe you want to learn a new coding language, or improve your photography, or master Excel. Well, guess what? Everything you need to achieve is on LinkedIn Learning. Whether you're an entrepreneur or a freelancer, you can be ready for any challenge that comes your way. They got courses on everything from Adobe Photoshop, bootstrapping your business, loads more, and cover a wide range of technical skills, creative techniques, business strategies, and more. In fact, I'm currently following along with Illustrator CC 2017 Essential Training. There's a long title that basically means I've got four hours and 53 minutes to learn all about Illustrator CC, which is incredibly helpful for me because it's been a while since I've checked out these apps and and, and tried to learn a little bit more. So I've been really enjoying following along with these videos. So guess what? With a LinkedIn Learning Membership, you too can quickly find the right course from their extensive library. You can learn from industry experts who are passionate about teaching. You can explore course recommendations, and guess what, the best part, you can use project files and quizzes to validate your learning. Courses are structured so you get to learn from start to finish or just jump to a specific chapter and watch short bite-sized segments. Guess what? You can even get transcripts for each video. Access to all the courses that you want are available for one monthly price worldwide and on any device. We have a very special deal for listeners of this show. You can get a free 30-day trial with LinkedIn Learning today by visiting linkedin.com clockwise. We would like to thank... LinkedIn Learning for their support of this show. And let's quickly hit that bonus topic. (laughs) Uh, Name a song that you listen to that you consider a guilty pleasure. Georgia, we'll start with you.
2: Okay, so um, I my guilty pleasure is I like singing like jingles. It makes me happy, uh, probably annoys everyone else that's around me. uh, But I'll, I'll sing any like jingle or theme song from Absolutely any show.
0: Oh man, uh, I was just gonna say the other day I, I shuffled through a big playlist of songs by Owl City, which is not a thing that I listen yes. to very often. But yeah, it's oh, kind wow. of like, that's definitely a guilty <laughs> pleasure. Definitely a guilty pleasure. There's a Christian hair metal band in the '80s
3: called Striper, and I am super into Striper.
1: Uh, and mine is going to have to be Psy. Oh, Toxic by Britney Spears. Oh, That's
2: a good song.
1: I love the crap out of that song. I can't help it. (laughs) Well, we have definitely run out of time. We have had two incredible guests. I would like to thank you, Georgia Dow, senior editor at (laughs) iMore. Thank you.
0: And Stephen Hackett. Thank you for being here. And I'm glad that we could help put you one up over Mike Hurley in the clockwise leaderboards. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, take him down a peg. Someone needs to that's for sure. Uh, Well, Micah, we're at the end. Uh, Another show in the can. Yes. So we'll be back next week. But until then, remember, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody.